It's just what the doctor ordered. It's time for your daily dose of awesome. Check your hate and negativity at the door as mom, wife, teacher, and lover of life, Cindy Liming shares awesome, fun-loving tips on how you can bring positivity, fun, and laughter into your life and into the world. And now, here's your host, Cindy Liming. It's just what the doctor ordered. It's time for your daily dose of awesome. Check your hate and negativity at the door as mom, wife, teacher, and lover of life, Cindy Liming shares awesome, fun-loving tips on how you can bring positivity, fun, and laughter into your life and into the world. And now, here's your host, Cindy Liming. Hi, my name is Cindy Liming, your coach of your daily dose of awesome, where I talk about adding a little more awesome into your life. Today, I want to talk about one of the many reasons why I wanted to start this podcast. Yes, I absolutely want to spread awesomeness, and I truly believe the world needs more of it. Awesomeness can be kind of a vague term, though. I mean, it can mean different things to different people. Awesomeness to me is anything positive, big or small. Like when someone wins the lottery, that's awesome. But also when someone holds the door or says thank you, I think that's awesome too. And I felt the need to do this podcast because there doesn't seem to be enough awesome in the world. I mean, though, can there ever really be too much awesome? I think part of the problem is that in our society is that we don't take the time to see where other people are coming from or why they believe what they believe or why they're behaving the way they're behaving. We don't understand each other. And then when something happens that we disagree with, we end up disliking the person instead of trying to understand them or negativity starts to breed. Now, I remember a few years ago, I had a student who never seemed to show any emotion at all, and I'll call him Joey. And for my new listeners, I'm a fifth grade teacher, so I um, have been exposed to student, all kinds of different students. So, But this particular student didn't seem to have any emotion at all. Like, he didn't smile or anything, but he didn't seem irritated either. He just always had this blank, expressionless look on his face. And he wasn't a behavior problem either. He was just kind of there. And I remember he would wear pretty much the same clothes every day, too. It was a short sleeve collared polo type shirt, and it was white. And he would wear like these khaki type pants every day. His clothes, they weren't dirty. So I assumed he had probably like several of the same shirts and pants in his closet. <laughs> Um, and I can picture him in my mind as clear as day. And it's been several years since I've seen him. And every time I think about him, he's got on that same outfit. And one day I remember, and I think it was picture day, he wore a different shirt. And the way I remember it was it had long sleeves and it was a little more fancy than all of his other shirts. And so it was picture day. So I'm guessing his mom probably made him dress up a little bit more than his usual white polo shirt and khaki pants. And I remember like I was getting all the kids lined up to get their pictures taken. And and there he was standing there with that blank face, just standing there kind of looking around and um all of the other kids were like, they were like checking out each other's hair and getting all excited. And Joey just stood there with, with no expression on his face. So I went up to him and I complimented his new shirt. I said, hey, Joey, you look so fancy today. 
And he just stared at me and said nothing, not a thank you or anything. He just had that blank look on his face. And it was kind of an uncomfortable silence. So I was like, well, Joey, do you like my fancy shirt for picture day? And he said again, with little emotion, no. Now, with any other child, you might be thinking, how disrespectful. And honestly, I just kind of chuckled to myself. I mean, well, like if he was like three and he said no, that would really, really be funny. But he was 10. So I work with fifth graders. He should have known by then to maybe say, oh, you look great or something to that. Um, but honestly, I just kind of chuckled inside my head because, and I also was not offended at all because you see, Joey is on the spectrum. So you might've heard that before. Joey is on the autism spectrum and he lacks the ability to understand social, social cues. And it's really not his fault. It's just the way that his mind works. So like in the world of people who are not on the spectrum, if I asked you if you liked my shirt and you really didn't, you would probably say that you liked it anyway out of being polite. Because most people don't want to get into an argument about a shirt. So you might just say, oh, yeah, that's nice. You look nice today and leave it at that. And somewhere in your life, you picked up that you should say nice things sometimes, even if they aren't entirely true. Well, at 10 years old, Joey never picked up that skill. And it's not that his parents didn't teach him manners. And you know what? Joey never meant to hurt my feelings either. In his mind, he just can't wrap itself. His mind just can't wrap itself around those social cues. So this is a good and bad thing about Joey. And I don't know how he's doing to this day, but this is just my guess. So, so being on the spectrum for him is good because he can never lie. But it's also bad because he can never lie. So one day, and this is kind of how I picture it. Um, so one day, he'll probably meet the girl of his dreams. And she might ask the question that many women ask their husbands or boyfriends to this day, which is, do I look fat in this outfit? And many husbands know that it's best to say, no, honey, you look great, even if that's not entirely true. However, if Joey thinks his wife or girlfriend looks fat, He's going to tell her, unless, of course, he's learned, um, but he's going to tell her that exactly what he thinks. So he might tell her that she looks great, or he might tell her that she looks bad, or she looks bad. Um, but, it, but if he's learned this, he, she might even react to him, like she might be able to see right through him also. So, um, but there's also this possibility that she's going to understand where he's coming from. And so she might embrace his honesty. Because like when we ask that question, do I, how do I look in this outfit? Like we kind of want to know, but we also, you know, also want you to tell us that we look great. So his wife or girlfriend in his, this future um, might embrace the honesty and, and be thankful that he told her the truth. So the perk is if she looks great, he's going to tell her that too. And if she looks bad, he's going to tell her that. He can't lie. And he can't socially lie either. So I know that's an odd skill that most of us have, but he lacks that skill. So my guest today is also on the spectrum. He calls himself Deanie, and he too is a podcast host, and his show is called Deanie Truths. Deanie is willing to talk openly about what it's like to have Asperger's, which is a syndrome somewhere on the autism spectrum. 
And by the way, I had no idea that this week was Autism Awareness Week. So this is working out great. But anyway, I'm having him on my show because I think it's important that we understand each other and take the time to understand other people. And so Deanie today is going to shed some light on what it's like to have Asperger's syndrome. But first, a word from my sponsor. And now here's my interview with Dini from Dini Truths. Hi, I somehow lost you. I don't know yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so you're doing good today. Yes. Great. So I'm excited to talk to you today because I was listening to your latest episode and you had mentioned that you were on the spectrum. So can you tell my listeners a little more about what that means? Okay. Um, So being on the autism spectrum is a, it's, it's a condition where some of the the things in our brain don't necessarily relay the information that it does with when you have somebody that's normal. Um, a lot of times it can, it, it very much, very much affects the social aspects like that are, um, that the brain operates and that really has a tough time handling social stuff, um, emotions, and what you have to do is eventually as you when once you find out that you have it, um, you have to train yourself to, or get training to actually make sure that you can get the right function so that um, your brain can actually process that information and actually grow those parts. And um, that's the way that I remember learning it as a kid. And it's definitely helped. I mean, I've been diagnosed since I was three so it's about 26 years Um, yeah that's what you said so can you can you talk about like um because you said you had an interesting obsession so can you talk about that a little bit like how your parents figured this out yeah well so as a kid I was very much into the wheel of fortune game show like obsessed like to the point where they had to start taping the show and so that I can rewatch it on uh, reruns. So, you know, back when VCRs were a thing, they would record the they would record it, and then during the during the morning or afternoon, um, I would just be in front of the TV just watching the whole thing. And it's I think it was the first time they ever saw like anything like this, like this obsession with like um, noises and. Um, the, the, just the idea of the look and the style of the of the whole thing. So they sent me to a um, specialist because they wanted to find out what it was. Why why was this? Why was I so obsessed? And why would I throw a fit when it wasn't on? Like okay, so would, you said you were three, right? So were you were three years old when this was going on? Uh, yes. Okay, Around. so like when the show would end, what were what would happen to you? Like, do you remember what that felt like? Um, I've, I've, it's, yeah, I'm trying to, yeah, because I, even as, even as I got older, like, you know, I was still obsessed with the show. Um, I would usually feel like, oh man, it's over already that I gotta wait until tomorrow. 
this was back this was back before the um this was back before I didn't record it and then I started recording again. So I was like like okay, well this new episode's over. I'll just go back and watch the reruns again. Um it was very it was very weird because then Jeopardy would come on right after and I didn't like Jeopardy because the noises <laughs> would the noises would just like scare me. Like there was like the anytime the Daily Double like sound played, I would like hide in a corner or something because I just didn't like the noise. Um, so I was so always, is it like being overly sensitive, like um, like nail scratching on a chalkboard is very annoying to me. Mm-hmm. So like, was that is that what it was like for you when you would hear that particular sound? Yes, and you know the other thing about being on the spectrum is like my senses are very hypersensitive. Even when, even when it comes to, um, you know, seeing things, particular images, like they may look normal to like a normal person, but I'm just like, there were, there would be like certain times where I would be in like a convenience store and my parents couldn't take me to this one particular area because they knew that, that, that there was like a particular image there that would just square, square me. So, um, they, they, they just like, okay, we can't go to this portion of the store. Um, when it comes to taste, it's definitely difficult with foods, like especially with veggies, because um, I'm so sensitive to like non, it, like foreign things that I'm just like I almost throw up on it. So they couldn't feed me veggies when I was younger. They tried to, but they there was like one point where I would just throw up because I was just so sensitive to the taste of it. Um, hearing like they're like 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 the daily double thing, I can't list. I can't hear that sound or even certain songs i can't listen to because it's just the mixture of beats and i just can't listen to it because it's just so it's just so unpleasing but asmr um i don't know if you ever heard that but that's a um internet phenomenon that actually um helps uh certain people on the spectrum because it's just a bunch of noises that people are just making for like an hour and it actually calms them down like it's very soothing and a very stimulating sound and it actually relaxes them yeah what is asmr because i've heard of that but i have no idea what it is but what is it um so basically the i'll give you like the the the, the dummy version of it i mean you could there's like a very scientific way of explaining it but i'll give you the dummy version so there's these youtubers that will get in front of a microphone and they'll either like they'll eat potato chips in front of the microphone and the crunching noise that the potato chips make are actually aesthetically pleasing to hear to certain people. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's not. It's not just for like uh, people on the spectrum. I mean, this this gonna you know some. Um, there's other people that they have like a they. I can't I can't explain it, but they have that. They find that pleasing, and so it's not just that they'll they'll do that or they'll they'll eat potato chips or they'll just like make certain noises with their lips. And, and they'll just like pop that into the microphone and they'll do that for like 10 minutes. Or it might be it might be like they'll just like touch the mic. They'll just like touch the mic back and forth and it makes that noise when you're touching it. And, you know, that's that's an aesthetically pleasing sound to some. Or if it's um, if it's like a certain type of music where you can hit like one key. And that one key is what gets people it's like, oh, okay, I'm relaxed. So the hearing portion, I mean, it can be pleasing or unpleasing depending on the sound. And uh, ASMR certainly helps. I'm going to go in more in depth on that in the future with some of my other shows. 
but I got to I have to look more into it and how it became so popular. I mean, there's an entire um, Netflix episode where I think the Huffington Post talked about how ASMR became so popular. So I don't remember what it was called, but you just look up ASMR on Netflix and you should find the episode. It's like 20 minutes. You'll get like an entire idea of what it's like. Okay. So like um this is interesting to me. So what so tell me if this if I'm hearing this correctly. Like for me and probably for the general public, like when we hear now I'm talking about people that are not on the spectrum, okay? So like for me, when I listen to Enya that is calming and soothing to me. So if I want to de-stress, I might listen to Enya. Um, when I want to get pumped up about maybe I'm going to go, maybe I'm going to get on the treadmill and I want to pump myself up, I might listen to Metallica or something like that. So like people have their things that either calm them or get them pumped up or whatever it's they're trying to achieve so are you saying like for you or for other people maybe on the spectrum it's just different it's just a different it's just different sounds that are soothing to you than it is to people who are not on the spectrum is that what you're saying it's a little it's a little more weird for certain for normal people to understand um it's i mean there 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 are like certain songs we like um, but, but normally when, when you get to adult, when you get to like adult years, like everything just gets more, like, like gets more mild and it's not as crazy as it was when you're a kid. I mean, I have some like metal bands that I listen to and there's a certain, um, what is it? There's like, I listen to EDM music when I'm working out or I'll listen to like video game music, but, yeah. um, but there's, there are like certain songs where you're, they have it on your playlist. And I know most people that have like, like a weird song in their playlist. But for, for me, I would say that I, you know, I would have songs on there that would be like, Oh, I never thought that somebody would put this on their best of playlist or whatever. So mm-hmm, right. it's, just, it's, it's, it's an idea of like, okay, I've never heard of this song. I don't know what it is. And, you know, this might come from like an anime or something like that. Or it, it's, it's just like we, we, we'll find like the we'll, we'll basically go down the rabbit hole and find some of the more lesser known songs. And, you know, that gets brought up more often when it comes to people on the spectrum. I found that people that I've known on the spectrum, um, some of my friends, like they find obscure things that I don't even know about. And they go further down the rabbit hole than I do. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot different than what I hear from normal people because they don't really go that deep and find things. So Okay. Um, so like another thing. So you've talked about a couple of your symptoms. Now, I, um, like I said, I am a fifth grade teacher and I've worked with children who are on the spectrum also. And one common thread is social situations. So like when you hear this whole episode um, in its entirety, uh, later on when I publish it, I talk about um, one of the students I had who just seemed emotionless um, and and it was because, well, he had autism and he seemed emotionless to the outside world. Um, and like socially, he couldn't like, there, there's certain social cues that I feel like um, some people on the spectrum just like don't pick up on. So like the story that I end up sharing later, you'll hear it later on, but like um, before I put this segment in with you, but like I talk about how like he, um, 
he had on a different shirt. He usually wore the same outfit every day, but for picture day, he wore a different shirt and I complimented him on that. And he didn't say thank you. Or in fact, he said nothing to me. He just looked at me blankly and said nothing, but I knew, you know, I'm aware that he has the, he has difficulty with social cues. So like, and so I, it was awkward though for me because he just stared at me and now we have this awkward silence and we're just staring at each other. So I was like, well, do you like my shirt? Do you like my fancy shirt that I'm wearing for pictures? And he said, no. And he wasn't trying to be mean or malicious. Like as a society, most people have picked up on that cue. You know, if somebody says, asks you if you look nice, we tend to say, yeah, you look nice. Even if we don't think they do, because we're just trying to be nice and avoid that confrontation. So like, did you have trouble growing up like with different social situations oh absolutely i mean basically when it one of the things i've learned is we're not born with empathy right it's it's something that we're just not born with usually when usually i mean you can it's a learned behavior civility is a learned behavior but for us it's if you don't know then it's very very tough for um, anybody to figure out what it is like oh why is that person like such a such a such an antisocial or why is it so why is he so weird like that right um but a lot of it did come from train but i picked it up afterwards but because i went through a lot of training i went through training for i want to say for seven years wow yeah i went like seven years of training and then by the time i got to middle school I didn't need the training anymore. And then once I got to high school, it got easier. And then by college, it just went mildly away. But even then, even though it was mild, there were still some cues that I didn't know until I finally got to college. And I, when I worked in a hospital, um, working in a hospital really helped because I was able to learn how to have a good bedside manner and have a good social cues about you know, the right things and the wrong things to say just by being a transporter, just by going around and taking patients to tests, you know, just just doing that, just interacting with nurses and patients, people that are sick. And it's an experience that you don't usually get. And for me, being on the spectrum and learning that, okay, this is what it you know, this is how people are doing it. I learned from everyone else around me, including the people that I worked with. And it actually and it actually made improvements. Like it got a lot easier. And plus I learned flirting on the side. So it helped me get better (laughs) with dating and everything. Um, And so by the time I turned 25, I was like, okay, I feel I got all my confidence going now because that's Mm -hmm. one thing that we don't have is we're just not very confident. And usually we have to allow other people to start the combos for us. Now it's the opposite. Now I have to start everything. Now I'm the one that has to actually be the leader and say, Hey, you know, we're doing this thing and then people get inspired by me than the things that I do because I'm putting myself out there and where most people that are on the spectrum just watch me and they're too afraid to do it. And mm-hmm. but I'm just like, I have no fear now. Yeah, you I mean, I don't I know. Like, again, we don't know each other super well, but as I get to know you more and now that I'm understanding you a little bit better, you've actually come a long way because I had told you before, like I've worked with people on the spectrum and I had no idea because you are very socially comfortable. So it was like it kind of took me by surprise when you had said that you were on the spectrum a little bit. Um, So 
okay, so like when you look back on your life, can you think of like a, a situation where um, your lack of um, social cues like kind of blew up in your face? Like, for example, when that boy told me that he didn't like my fancy shirt. Well, I knew where he was coming from. I knew that he can't lie. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, so he doesn't have that social cue. I know there's really not a word for, um, oh goodness, like, you know, saying, oh yeah, you look great even when you don't, you know, like that politeness, like he lacked that. So for like, if he would have said that to another child, no, I don't like your shirt. Like the other child, their feelings might've been hurt. But for me, my feelings weren't hurt because I knew that he lacked that ability. So like my question for you is, have you ever been in a situation where you didn't have the social cues yet and people saw you um, maybe negatively? Um, That's a good question. I have to really think because for most of my life, I really don't think that people really looked negatively on me. I mean, I was always the entertaining kid. I mean, I wasn't always, I wasn't, I was never afraid of like being in front of a crowd and entertaining people. Um, I mean, I did it with my family. I did it with my classmates. I did it with my friends. And even to this day, I mean, I'm going to be doing stand up for the first time this weekend. So I'm going to be doing it in front of a crowd of strangers. That's exciting. So like you, um, did you ever struggle? I guess a better question might be, did you ever struggle with making friends? Like when you were in school, because that's what I see. As a fifth grade teacher. Okay, so this, okay, so when I eventually moved to my third house, um, that's when things changed because I was like living 30 minutes away from all my friends. So when that happened, I felt alone because they weren't coming to visit anymore, even though it was only a half hour away. But, you know, back then being a kid, half hour away was a long time and you couldn't drive at that time. So, um, I mean, things changed when I turned 16 and I could drive anywhere, but, um, you know, just that, this idea of like, okay, I'm in a new area and I know it's tough for me to make friends. I mean, I didn't establish friendships with these people for, um, I mean, I mean, I did them at a very young age and I've known them for like five, six years. And does that mean I'm going to have to start a new and try to find new ones over here? And that was always tough. And it was tough. I mean, there was only one friend that I usually had that would come over that would be willing to drive over like a half hour just to come see me. So, yes, it was tough. Yeah, because like I know like one student I had, he really wanted to be friends with this other little girl. And so we were telling him, you know, well, why don't you go and ask her, you know, ask her questions about herself? Like we were trying to train him, you know, you want to show interest in other people because that was something that he lacked. So... (laughs) So because he takes things so literally, which is, isn't that another one of the symptoms of having, or like of being on the spectrum, somewhere on the spectrum is like taking things literally. So like, he was like bombarding her with questions about her. So the mm-hmm. point was like creepy and she didn't want to be friends with him. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh yes. Yeah. Cause, yeah. So, Cause when you say something, when you say something to them, we do take it literally. I mean, even to this day, I take things like literally to a fault. So do you like, do you have any tips because you're, you're what, 29 now. So you've already turned 29. You're about to turn 29. So you've already been through that whole awkward stage of growing up and trying to make friends and things like that. And so, like I said, like I'm a teacher, you know, I work with children on the spectrum and their parents. And so like, do you have like any tips that you could talk about right now? Like 
any tips that kids could do that are on the spectrum that maybe would help them socially? Okay. All right. So I know one of the biggest things that you definitely need to do, and this is a very, very, very challenging thing. And I know that it's like so uncomfortable to the point where it's going to make people like they can scream this out. I mean, I've had meltdowns before. Um, But I think one of the things is find somebody that is willing to be patient with you and is willing to help you get through the uh, get uh, help you with challenges because uh, you don't want to surround your you don't want to be surrounded by people that are just impatient and are just going to yell in your face or just get or just lose like, okay, he's not getting it. Um, I, I've worked with people that just didn't understand, like they try to tell me to do something and I'm like, what? what are you talking about? And they just get mad because, you know, they're, they're perfectionists and they don't understand like, okay, I don't pick up on things right away. It takes me time to process information. Um, and I know people on the spectrum go through that too. So it's good to be surrounded by people that are going to be in with you and are going to take the time to, you know, explain how things are done. You know, so like we can learn social cues on top of that and make sure that they can really process the information. You can't just say something and then they can like, oh, OK, I got it now. It's like, no, it takes like weeks. I mean, I've tried to learn an instrument one time and it took me three weeks before I'm like, I get it now. And when I used to sing, I used to have a singing coach and she would get upset because I wasn't picking up on the things she was trying to tell me. And I was like, OK, she's not getting this. She's not getting that it takes me time to get like a chord down. Um, so, yes, surround yourself with that. Um, the other thing I will say is um, definitely if if you know something is scary, you got to at least try it. Uh, I, we're always afraid to try something new. We like to stick to a routine. And once that routine gets uh, challenged, meltdowns start happening. I mean, when I moved that was a routine. I'm like, okay, I'm, you know, weekends I'm with my friends and I'm in this house. It feels comfortable. And then when a change happened, you know, it's like the whole world I thought was going to explode. Like if I don't feel like I'm in control, then it just goes ory. So one of the things that I had to start learning was challenging myself and com- programming my brain so that I can handle situations that I know that are beyond my control. Cause that's one of the things I'm obsessed with now is progression. I'm learning about science. I'm learning about like the progression of how like how you can shape your brain into doing habits that, you know, can eventually make you stronger and much more um, better when it comes to your life, like making it purposeful and making it balanced. So I'm constantly learning information. I'm just absorbing it in. So one of the things that I learned is challenges. If you don't challenge yourself, you're never going to get anywhere. And then you're going to be stuck. And most people do in the spectrum do feel stuck. And then they end up and they end up going online and they end up being on these forums and they end up bashing everybody. And it just becomes ugly. I mean, there's some ugly things that people on the spectrum have said on the Internet that I'm not going to say here. But, um, you know, it it comes out in bad ways. And it's usually because there's nobody to really say, okay, I'm going to help you with this so that eventually you can move out and move on your own. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's, that's the thing is what's, that's what got me out of that entire funk is challenging, doing new things, not being afraid. And so like as a parent, like, so exposing a child to that same, whatever it may be, like, you know, like some of the, some of the kids that I worked with in the past are like, 
very, very sensitive to certain things. So like they might have that meltdown. So do you think like, um, like when you look at your uh, years growing up, like did your parents just have to keep exposing you over and over until you got the courage and you realized, okay, this is, I'm going to be okay. Like, was that how you were raised? Like with your parents and your teachers, like, did they keep exposing you to those things that you were nervous about? Oh, all the time. Every weekend, my mom would always take me out places that I didn't want to go to, but she knew <laughs> that she knew it was important though, because if I didn't, then I'd be not doing anything. Um, one time I remember um, she was like, okay, now you're going to, you're, I'm not going to order the pizza. You're going to order it. And if you can't pick up the phone and talk to the, the, the pizza guy, then we're not eating dinner tonight. Um, I remember it took me a half hour before I felt comfortable actually picking up the phone and calling the pizza guy. Nowadays, I'm just like, Oh my God, I got to call the pizza guy now. Cause if we don't get this in time, I'm not going to be able to eat in time before work. So mm-hmm. now, now it just feels normal. But back then, it was constantly having to do the challenges like, okay, going to the beach, going to the pool, we're going to go outside for like two hours, you know, just to get yourself surrounded by, you know, your surroundings so that when you get older, you'll feel more comfortable with it. And then by the time I turned 16 and I got my car, I'm like, I can go anywhere now. Like, I feel mm-hmm. fine. Um, mm-hmm. So that exposure repeatedly, though, like yes. I was afraid when I was little and, you know, like I said, I'm not on the spectrum, but when I was little, I was totally afraid to jump the pool. And I was like pathetic about it. And my dad would have to like, he'd be inches from me. He'd be holding my fingertips and say, just jump in. It's going to be fine. And, you know, now I, I mean, I don't like to go, I don't like to be cold, but if somebody said jump in the pool, I could do it, you know, but like for, for you're saying, are, are you saying like for people on the spectrum, it might take more time to get it of being exposed to those fears to where you will be socially comfortable i mean i got the same amount that all my other friends on the spectrum got i mean we all been exposed to it on a week by week basis it's 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 those almost daily so it never stopped okay so So okay so that was always helpful like just to conquer those fears yeah just always be consistent with it like don't i mean if it got too overwhelming which did happen it does get overwhelming if you do it too much so there was like okay once you know the breaking points, like, okay, we'll take a step back. We'll do it for maybe a couple of days until you actually feel comfortable going like three. But we need to know your limit so that you know that if you're going to break down, that we know not to go crazy again. Because they understood, like, okay, we know that you have limits and we're not going to try to, we're not going to try to overwhelm you and then, you know, break your mind. Right, right. So, okay, so now as an adult, like, um, because like I said, I had no idea. So you seem totally socially fine to me. Mm -hmm. Um, So like, do you still like, um, because you said you had training and exposure to new things as you were growing up, and that's kind of brought you to where you are today. So like, do you, like, are you still aware that you have this syndrome? Um, Like, like, is it still like there, like that you can tell? Yeah, I mean, it's never going to go away. I mean, I, it's going to be mild. I mean, it's very, very mild. But um, now I just did all the all the positives of like being on the spectrum are the things that, you know, keep me moving. Um, a lot of the things that um, that we on the spectrum that no, most normal people don't do is we're constantly processing information. We're always looking stuff up. We're always learning how to do things. 
Um, we're always like enamored by the things that we like, and then we stick to those things that we like. So right now for me, I'm very, like I said before, I'm like very much into progressing. Um, I'm very much into like, okay, how can you improve your health, your weight, your, um, your men- mental capacity? Like I'm always like learning like the sciences behind it. Like, okay, here's the reason why we behave this way. Here's why we do things. Here's all this. And why is it that when we falter, this is how it happens. So I'm constantly taking this information and I'm like, okay, because I know one day I'm going to be using this to bring magic to people's lives, which is like my (laughs) ultimate goal. I want to be reaching out to as many people as possible without being a cult leader. Um, (laughs) um, But with, uh, but trying to be like, somebody's like, "Uh, okay, I can work with you on a person to person basis. Um, We'll, you know, maybe there's some things that you're going through in your life that are not doing so good, but I'll work with you on a person person basis. We'll, we'll try to teach you habits. We'll try to, I'll teach you the science behind everything. But if I, if I have all that information, then I can start, then I can start a business where I actually do help people with struggles, even when it comes to weight, when it comes to, you know, being on the spectrum, because I am trying to I mean, I'm trying to show people on the spectrum, like, Hey, look, this is all the things that I've been doing. I know that it might be difficult. You know, I'm not saying that you need to go on this path, but I'm saying like, here's what you can do. If you have a path that you want to go down, I mean, here's some of the tools that I can give you. And then once you have the tools, you don't need me anymore. Yeah. So that's what I think is kind of like my fascination with you because I have never seen anyone so driven. Like you are a very, very driven person. And so, so could that be because like, could that be the perk of being on the spectrum? Because you have those obsessive tendencies, but for you personally, you've used it for, you know, developing yourself and for getting healthy. And so like, I lack that, like, you know, me, I struggle with my, you know, with working out and staying healthy, but, but I'm, I don't have that component where I'm going to be obsessive about it. Where you, and when I say obsessive, I know that might sound a little negative, but I, but for you, you've used it as a positive. So like, would that be a positive aspect of being on the spectrum is that you've used it for good? Yes, because there's always like something to prove, even though I really shouldn't be proving myself to anybody. I mean, the fact is, this is, this is coming from somebody that was always the guy that was always in the corner and was not always, was considered to be not the person that was going to go anywhere anywhere because there's like okay there's really nothing that he's really bringing to the table i mean he's not like the star quarterback over here um you know he's not the you know he's not the good looking guy or he's not the good looking person but um you know those are those are things that you know it's like okay it's you know it's the obsession of wanting to be better so that i can say hey look at everything that i'm doing and this is what i'm trying to show everybody that yeah this is not just some you know I'm not going to be just another person on the spectrum that's just going to wallow away and just like, oh, hey, when I'm 35, I'm not going to be doing I'm going to still be playing like Pokemon on a computer. I'm like, no, I'm not going to I don't want to be that guy. I don't I've seen I've seen people I've seen people on the spectrum. I used to go to clubs that were specifically for spectrum people. And it was it was kind of it sent a shock through my system. Like, you mean to tell me you're 35? And this was when I was 18. This was like 11 <laughs> years ago. You mean you're you're 35 and you what are you doing? And I was like, oh no, I don't do anything. And I'm just like, oh my god. And I was like, do am I gonna end up being like that? Like, I don't want to be like that. I wanna, I, I wanna, 
do I want to accomplish, you know, I want to, I've always been like the person that like to be in front of people. I've always been an entertainer. I've always been somebody that's like, that likes to talk and likes to think and, you know, express my thoughts. And, you know, those, those bring the, those take people aback because they're like, I never would have thought of it that way. Mm-hmm. So like you, that component of being obsessive. So you're not obsessed over wheel of fortune anymore. Correct. I don't even watch the show anymore. Right. So now you've turned that obsessiveness into a positive, which I think is very interesting that because like you do have a lot to bring to the table, I think, because I like I said, I was like, you're very inspiring. to me. <laughs> um, OK, so my last question for you is what do you wish people knew about Asperger's or about being on the spectrum? Like, what is it do you, that you wish people understood? Oh, man. That is tough because I don't think people will ever understand because I mean, it's, it's, it's not something that you can just easily, I mean, I can describe what it feels like, but I can't I mean, I can describe it, but I can't really show you because it's not, it's not something that can just easily be taught. It's not something that it's not like a, it's not like autism is like a, like a, 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 like an art that you can learn, you know, mm-hmm. it's something that you're born with. And I guess the one thing that I just want people to accept is that, and you know, this past Tuesday when they were doing the whole autism, like a national world autism national day, when I was on Twitter, I didn't see anybody talking to anybody actually on the spectrum. They went to the parents and they said, Oh, what's it like being on, you know, having a kid that's on the spectrum. They didn't go to any adults. They didn't even talk to kids. They just went to parents because this is still considered, the spectrum is still considered to be, you know, a very minor thing and nobody's really paying any attention uh, or nobody's really even caring for that matter. I mean, they care to like, oh, it's a charity service and we want to get to these charities, but these charities are not really beneficial. And there's a lot of us that feel offended by it because they're not reaching out to us. They're trying mm-hmm. to do this for the parents' sake. Like, oh, my God, it must feel so bad that you have to be, you know, I have to raise this kid. And then that's an insult. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a major insult. And I think that's what I want people to understand is that don't throw us by the wayside. We're not we're not somebody that you there. We're not somebody that we're not we're not somebody that are that that are going to be damaging to, to others. We're not. We're not bringing a burden to others. I mean, this feels like when you're on Twitter, it feels like we're almost like a burden, like we we're, we're barely don't mean anything. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I've lived with forever. It's like, oh, burden, not beneficial, not caring, not doing anything. Um, very traumatic stuff. And then when when I was trying to go through emotions, when I actually had emotions like, oh, stop it. Stop crying. Um mm-hmm. But, you know, it's it's stuff like that. And it, it, it's not as accepted as it is when it comes to like, you know, you know, trans, you know, transgender people and homosexuals and, um, you know, other minority groups. They get very I mean, if they're get they're getting like positive feedback from everyone else and we're still being left by the wayside. I mean, mm-hmm. we're a minority group, so it's it's not it's not like we're in clumped in with all them and everybody's being accepting. I mean, they think that they are, but they're really not. It's like sort of a um thing so that's what i want people to understand is like if you really want to know what it means i mean if you really want to know what it's like to you know be truly accepting be a friend with somebody that's on the spectrum 
because then you'll get you'll find out exactly. I mean, you won't. I mean, you won't under. It won't. It'll be hard to understand, but you can at least see how we function. And then as time goes on, if you're patient with it and you take it slow and you learn about them more and more and more, and it's like, okay, now I think I'm getting to get a grasp of what it's like to, um, you know, the way that you're thinking and the way it is. Yes. Yes. That's why I kind of wanted to do this with you because like I said, I'm around children like this, but I think it's important for society to have this understanding that you're not like the, like the boy that was, that told me he didn't like my shirt. Well, he wasn't trying to be a jerk. You know, he just doesn't have that social cue, you know, and, and he'll learn it at some point, hopefully. (laughs) But, um, but I think that um, taking the time and I think this interview with you is good to put out in the world because, you know, I'm not talking to your parents. I'm talking to you. Like I wanted to know what it's like for you so that, you know, some of these kids that I see that are dealing with um, different social situations in a bad way, you know, and the parents that are trying to work with these kids and the educators that are trying to work with them. I mean, look at you. I mean, look at you said you had training and patient people and friends and people who understood you. And I just want other people to understand that, you know, you want to be accepted, too, you know, but I think that we need to all try to understand each other. Yeah. Yeah, that's and be patient with it because it's a very, very, very slow process. It's not something <laughs> yeah. that you're just gonna pick up in like a week. No, this might take years. And even right. then, and even then, when you're an adult, and when you find out it is an adult, that's even it's not. I mean, it's good when you get it as a kid. When you're an adult, it's like, and you've never gotten the training. And then once you turn 25, like your brain sort of like comes into its own, and like it's fully like it's fully developed. But when you find out after 25, it's very tough for adults to to process it and they get obsessed with it. I have a friend just now who's married as well. Um, she's afraid to actually go find out if she has like adult autism and she's afraid that she's going to get obsessed to the point where she's going to get overwhelmed. And I said and I said to her, even if it's true, it's not going to change who you are. You're still one of the most amazing people that I've ever met. So I you know, just don't be afraid. Go ahead and. You know, take your time with it. And when you're ready, when you're there and if you find out that it is, you know, you got me, you know, I've been living with it all my life. So, right. Um, yeah. So, hey, thank you very much. This is pretty eye opening for me. So I appreciate you being willing to talk openly about it. And um, also, before we go, though, can you talk about where other people can find you? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm on I got my own YouTube channel and uh, I put myself on webcam and I talk about my weight loss journey and my uh, self-love journey as well. Um, I'm doing like a health journey right now. So that's Dini, D-I-N-I. That's on YouTube. Uh, on Instagram, you can find me at Dini Truths. And on Twitter, you can find me at Dini Truths as well. That's where everything that I post for. And that's where you can find me on social media. I post updates, um, my progress, things that if I'm walking, if I'm working out, if I have a message, if I'm podcasting, I'll put little clips up. So you'll get to see everything that I'm doing. It's like a, it's like a very long Netflix uh, series <laughs> that you're watching. Now, would you be, are you okay if people want to contact you with questions? Because you are, you're like a success story. Really, yeah, because I'm, I see kids really struggling. So like if, if parents or other, you know, teens, children want to be where you are now, you've lived it. Like, are you open to people asking you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was open to this. 
Yeah, I'll be open right. to anything. So I just want to make sure that people understand if you're struggling or you know someone that's on the spectrum or maybe it's you that Dini is someone that that is willing to talk to you or mm-hmm. help you. Absolutely. Okay. All right. That's great. Well, you enjoy the rest of your day and thank you again. Oh, thank you, Cindy. All right. I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. Right. Bye bye. To wrap this up, if you or someone you know is on the autism spectrum, surround yourself with patient people. So seek them out, seek out other people that could be like your support group um, and just surround yourself with patient people. People are willing to take the time to help you through uh, whatever it is you might be going through. And another thing Deanie mentioned is to face your fears repeatedly. So keep trying And again, if someone is going with you, hopefully they'll be patient enough to ride out the storm with you. And lastly, seek out training. And from the sounds of it, it sounds like if you can get training at a younger age, it will benefit you more in adulthood. So thank you again, Deanie, for being on my show. If this interview and episode resonated with you, please subscribe to my podcast and share. I would love to hear from you. You can reach out to me on Anchor with a voice recording and maybe I can use your message in an upcoming episode. Or you can also reach me in my Facebook group by searching Your Daily Dose of Awesome. I'm also on Instagram at Your DD of Awesome or on Twitter at Cindy Liming, and that is spelled C-Y-N-D-I, and Liming is L-I-M-I-N-G. And I also have a website where you can find more awesomeness, and that is uh, www.yourdailydoseofawesomepodcast.com. I truly hope you've gotten a dose of awesomeness from this episode today. Thanks for listening.